Welcome to J Root Radio here on uh, not Halakha Hour. Sorry, let's start again. Welcome to the Halakha Hour here on J Root Radio. This is the Halakha Hour airing live on Wednesday afternoon. I believe it is It is and it's January 6th. We're airing live at 2 o'clock. Let's give you the phone numbers before we actually start. This is the Halakha hour. We're discussing the Halakhot of Shabbat. If you'd like to call in for any questions regarding the Halakhot of Shabbat or Mukseh or Halakhot in general, please call in after the show at 3 o'clock. The number to the studio is 718-683-5858. We'll give it to you again at the end of the show. To text in your question, which is usually the best way, we get to see it. We see if it's something that's shayach, that's relevant to the subject that we're speaking about. We'll bring it out. If you have a question, what we're saying, you text in your question. As at the show, we'll bring it up in the middle of the show. The text number is 347-927-8398. Before we get to our class, we'd like to wish a big mazat of mabruk for the simha tonight of our the man behind this radio station, Rav Nisim Lazari. We all know what he does for the station. The whole thing is mamash. As they say, Sadiq Yisod Olam, for over here, Nisim is the sort of the whole station. The whole thing stands on him, and we should have a lot of Samhabas at the Shem, the engagement of his daughter tonight, Hila, to Yehuda Cohen, who happened to be living down the block from me. So, Baruch Hashem, the, it's a big simha, and Razat Hashem, Hashem should help them to get married with Sha'atova and to be Bone Bait Ne'eman Israel with many children and many Samahor, Razat Hashem, Torah, and Osher Bait Ehad, Razat Hashem. And if you're listening to this, it's going to be on tonight again, also at 10 o'clock. Don't forget, you probably, if you're, you know, the engagement, a lot of people sometimes may forget, you know, they're on the way back from house. So maybe I figured this could serve as a reminder, if not for the people, maybe for myself as well. Any case, we come back to the halakha. In the halakha hour, we talk about the halakhot of Shabbat, specifically from the book, the Ben Ishai. We're in Parashat Vayigash, and we began to discuss a very important subject. The subject is the halakhot of transforming mukseh into klish melachto leheter. We've mentioned in the past that the most severe uh, category of mukseh, that is mukseh mahmad gufo. This form of category is as its name is. Mukseh, it's completely mukseh because what of itself. Itself is nothing. It has no usage. You can't use it for anything. Stones, pebbles, sand, dirt... These kind of things don't have a serve. They're not a keli. And being that they're not a keli, being they're not a utensil, they don't serve for anything, they have the strongest level of Muqseh Muhammad Gufo. We mentioned last week, this parasha primarily deals with the subject Muqseh Muhammad Gufo, which happens to be in Hukot Muqseh, these are the most complicated halakhot when we're dealing with Muqseh Muhammad Gufo. It's not as relevant in our days as it was in those days. Like we mentioned last week, in our days, whatever you want, you could go to the 99 cent store, you could go to any of those, uh, you know, those kind of stores, and you could find whatever you want. There's something that they make for it. Once upon a time, the Gemara talks about, for example, they used to have this big log of wood in order to lock up the door. Nobody uses logs of wood to lock up the door. We'll talk about what we do use in our days. In any case, but you don't use a log of wood to lock the door. You know what? You use a lock, right? And a lock has a, it's a kli. You want to hold up the door. You want to keep the door open. You don't use a stone to hold the door open. You know what? You use a door stopper. 
you have all different types of door stoppers as well. Ones that you attach to the door, one of those rubber things that you put on the bottom. There's so many things that we have in our days to do what we need to do that really these kind of halakhot seem to be a little bit outdated, but they're really not because they do come up. And because they do come up, and because it's also part of the Chod it's very the rules are still relevant. They do come up, and when they do come up, we have to know how to deal with it and what should we do. We spoke a lot about it last week. We are not going to go through the halakha inside, even though we didn't go through halakha inside also last week. We'll just review a little bit of the rules that we mentioned last week, and then go on to the things, the areas of, of this halakha that we have not spoken. So again, the rule is over here, what we're trying to the, discuss, the rule of transforming, taking something which is muqseh Ahmad gufo, where it would be forbidden to move it in any which way, not let's sort of gufo, not let's sort of mekomo. Of course, is always mutar for anything that's mukseh because the whole gezerah of mukseh, a lot of people get mixed up with this. The whole gezerah of mukseh is for you to move it in a normal way. Once you're moving it in an abnormal way, not the normal way that people move it, then it's not subject to the laws of mukseh. Laws of mukseh, the restriction of mukseh is only moving something in a normal way. Let me give you two examples. Most common, let's take a dollar. You have a dollar on your kitchen table. You want to pick it up, you want to move it. So dollar is Mukseh Mahmad Gufo. So you cannot pick up the dollar with your hand. However, if you are a little bit skilled, you'll take off your shoe, you'll take off your sock, and with your toes, you'll grab onto the dollar and change it. Now, probably a dollar is not going to be worth your effort. You know, just keep the dollar there, and who cares if somebody takes it and gets lost. But let's say it's a $100 bill, right? $100 bill, ho oh, ho, some people might even use their own hands, but a $100 bill, that's a, that, that calls for some maneuvering to do. You take off your shoe, you take off your sake, you want to move it with your toes, it's mutar. Even though you're moving mukseh with the intention of moving it away, it's fine. You're not carrying outside, you're just picking up with your toes and you want to put it wherever you want to put it, that's fine. Mukseh does not kick in. However, in the case where you have, let's say, a soccer ball, we did not get to balls and toys, but that's a shame. We hope to get to it either this class or in the next class coming up. We will talk about toys in general. So let's say you have a soccer ball or a basketball. You have them lying around in the house. The kids didn't put them away. And now you want to move the soccer ball. You want to put it away. You want to put it in the attic, in the basement, in the closet, whatever it is. It's, it shouldn't be there. So you want to, you obviously can't pick it up with your hands. According to the opinions, I hold the balls of Mokseh. And to kick it also is not mutar. Why? Because that's a normal way of moving a soccer ball, which is kicking it. So when we say that you're allowed to move something with your foot, it doesn't always mean with your foot. Kila'ahaya doesn't always mean something in the back of your hand. Kila'ahaya, when the brings down, you're allowed to move mukseh. We're 100% mukseh. Mukseh has no hitter to moving it. When you're allowed to move it, in kila'ahaya, it means in an abnormal way, not in the normal way that's usually moved. So the soccer ball, since nobody would usually pick it up with their elbows, you're allowed to pick it up with your elbows. That's not the way to carry a soccer ball, right? Or a football is usually kicked, right? It's not, uh, it's not uh, people throw the football and the people also kick the football. So in that case, you'll have to move it with your elbows if you want to get rid of and move it out of the way. Here we're discussing our halakhot now. We come to Mukseh, Mahmad Gufo, that you want to make it into Kalish Minakhtol Heter. Basically, transform it. You now use it for a f- certain function. So, we have to know certain rules. Number one is that whatever status the item comes into Shabbat, 
that's the way it remains throughout the whole Shabbat. Meaning, if something came into Shabbat, categorized according to Halakha as Mukse Mahmat Gufo, or let's say Mukse Mahmat Hasan Kis, whatever it is, that's the way it remains throughout Shabbat. And even if you change your mind on it and you want to now use it for something else, it doesn't make a difference. It remains the same status as the way it came into Shabbat. Otherwise, you could throw out all the halakot of Mukseh. Lemashal. A guy has a shahita knife. A knife that's only used for shahita, and he's careful with it. It costs $135 wholesale. And he's careful that it shouldn't be used for anything except for shahita to, to uh, slice the, 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 the neck of the animal in a kosher way. He's scared that it shouldn't get ruined. And it's not like a regular kitchen knife that you use it to cut your uh, boxes that you get from your grocery. So now, in such a case where a guy is using a shahita knife, uh, he, he, excuse me, he has a shahita knife in the house, and all of a sudden on Shabbat, it occurs to him that his knives are all dairy. He doesn't have any meat knives. And now he decides, you know what? I have a shahita knife. Let me use it to cut my steak. Even then he says, oh, well, it's going to ruin your shahita knife. He doesn't care. You know what? He's getting a new shipment of uh, shahita knives. He doesn't care anymore about it. It doesn't make a difference. Since you, it will remain Muqsim Ahmad Hasronkis, since that's the way it came into Shabbat, that's the way it remains. In order to transform the status of any Muqsim from one category to another, it must be done before Shabbat comes in. Again, it must to transform the status of anything that's mukseh into a status of where you want to move it, be able to use it on Shabbat, it must be done before Shabbat comes in. Okay? Next. We saw last week that there are three ways to transform something from mukseh to klishmachtoleter, of course, before Shabbat. Number one, which is I'm going in the list. There's three ways. The three ways I'm I'm listing first what we call most aggressive way, which is basically the most mahmir, and then we're going lighter and lighter. Number one is designation through action. You actually have to do some sort of action before Shabbat that shows you want to use this for, uh, or you want to basically transform this muqseh Muhammad gufo into a klis We're going to use the mashal of the following. A person is making an extension in his backyard and part of his extension, he's putting bricks around that extension. Okay? So now the bricks are made to put in the building. Those, you know, those. I'm talking about those small little bricks on the outside, they're nice. So those bricks normally have the status of Muqseh Muhammad Gufo since they're made for building. Now, it comes on Shabbat and he says, you know, it's going to be a hot day. I still didn't install my ACs and I would like to have some air inside. So he decides to take a brick and he decides to put it uh, as a door stopper. Okay. If you're going to do this on Shabbat, it's a problem, right? like we said. You can't decide to change your mind about the brick on Shabbat. You have to do it from before Shabbat. So there are three ways to do this before Shabbat. We're going to list what the three possibilities are and then we're going to tell you what today, what we need to do. The three ways are, number one is designation, designating it with action. Actually, you have to come on Friday or any day beforehand. Take the brick and do something. Put it on the side. Um, maybe some say, some say even chip it. But do something to the brick that shows that you're going to place it as a, uh, as a doorstopper. Make it into a doorstopper. The other way is 
The other way is thinking about it. What does that mean, thinking about it? That means you think that before Shabbat comes in on Friday, you look at your bricks in the backyard and you say, oh, that stone, I want to use it as a doorstopper. So here we have a mahlokit between the Mishnah Ra and Ben Ishai in this form of designation. According to the Mishnah Ra, just thinking that you want to use the brick as a doorstopper allows you to use it as a doorstopper. However, according to the Ben Ishai, thinking alone doesn't help. You actually have to speak it out. You have to say, I want to use this brick here tomorrow to use it as a doorstopper. That's the second form. Third way is like this. Shabbat comes in. You forgot to designate anything. But then happens to be that on the previous Wednesday by accident, you used a brick that you see right in front of you. You used a specific brick as a doorstopper. The fact that you used it according to uh, according to cer- uh, certain categories of mukseh, the fact that you use it alone allows you to use it now on Shabbat. Even though you didn't think about, you didn't plan on using this brick on Shabbat, even though you didn't designate it with actually, you didn't prepare it, just the mere fact that you used it beforehand, it's good enough. Those are the opinions that are brought down. And we saw last week that it all depends what kind of mux, what kind of things you're using, if it's common for it or not. Lemaskana, bottom line, halakha, lemaase, practically speaking, whenever you want to use anything that's muksem Ahmad gufo, that you want to change it into a klis mechtol heter, being that today, like we mentioned, we don't. This is not so common, but if it does come up that you see pieces of wood or or you know to balance the table to balance your chair, to balance a bookcase, or if you have bricks that you have for building and now all of a sudden you want to use it for holding the door open. In all these cases, what you have to do is the following. You should be mahmir like the designating it with the action, which means preparing the brick or the piece of wood that you want to use. And you have to have in mind that you're using this for all time. You're using this as a door stopper. Until you don't need it anymore. It shouldn't be just for one Shabbat. Meaning, you should have a mind that I'm going to use the brick as a doorstopper this Shabbat. And then, when Shabbat is over, I'm going to take the brick, put it back in the pile to use it in the building. In that case, we have to be mahmir. You have to say, you have to have a mind that you're planning to use this brick always as a doorstopper. Since today, nobody usually uses a brick as a doorstopper. Let me give you some ex- another example that really it would work. Even without designate forever, I'll tell you why. You'll see in a second. You know they have these glass sliding doors, like they most people have them going out to the balcony. So sometimes people have these sliding doors in the backyard, and they want to lock it up at night. Besides the regular lock, even if somebody breaks a lock, they don't want them to be able to break the lock and go into the house. So what they do is they take a piece of wood. Uh, it could be a two by four. It could be just stam a regular stick. That's the same size as the door that's not being opened, and they place it in between the doorpost and on the inside of the door. So this way, when the piece of wood is there, it kind of blocks the door to open. You can't open it. Even if you break the lock or the block, the lock is not working, you can't get the door open because this piece of wood is there. You find this also sometimes in hotels. They have it with a piece of metal. It's the same idea. So let's say you go to Home Depot duties, I'm not advertising with anybody, whatever you go, you go to your local wood store and you ask them to 
cut a piece of wood with the size of your door, that's good enough. Even though a piece of wood is really muksim ahmad gufur, but since you wanted a saw and you bought it special for that, you cut it for that, then automatically it turns into klish minachtol heter. You'll have to move this piece of wood for whatever need you, need you have. Not only just to lock the door, but if you want to move this piece of wood because it doesn't look nice over there, you want to put it somewhere else, it has a status of kli shemenachto leheter. This is a regular example. Now, let's say, let's say it's the other way. Let's say you have pieces of wood lying around in the backyard because, you know, you're planning to fix something, you're planning to put up your sukkah or whatever it is, and now you decide that, you know what, let me use that piece of wood. It's a two by four. Hey, it looks like it's big enough. I could squeeze it in to, to hold my door locked. In such a case, you'll have to do this designation that we spoke about before Shabbat. You can't decide on Shabbat. You can take a two-by-four that you happen to have in your garage, and now I'm going to use it to block or to lock my, side, my sliding glass door. It has to be all prepared from before Shabbat. Okay, so now the question becomes like this. If we're talking about transforming things that Muqsin Ahmad Gufo into Kriyus Melachtol Heter, can we do this also with money? Meaning, can I take money, regular money, which we all hold as Muqsin Ahmad Gufo, has no actual use, and somehow figure out something to use it for. Let's say I want to use it for a decoration. Can I use it? Whatever it is. Or let's say I want to use it as um, a... Listen, let's say I want to decorate my table with dollar bills. I'm having somebody coming over, and I want to take now $50, crisp $50 bills, and decorate, you know, there's a special way you fold it, or maybe, I don't know, and you want to decorate the the, 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 the plates with it. Technically, you should say yes. Why? It's a $50 bill, true, but you know what? I'm using it now as a napkin, or I'm using it now as a decoration. How is this different from a regular napkin, which used to be a piece of uh, leaf, and all of a sudden I turn it into a napkin to use, to wipe, uh, to clean my hands, to wipe my fingers, or to use it as a decoration in a cup. So I want to use the same thing. I want to put the $50 bill in a cup that makes it look very nice. Can I do that or not on Shabbat? Of course, preparation, like we learned, has to be done before Shabbat. Can I do this before Shabbat so that the $50 bill becomes Kli Heter? So in short, can we turn money into Kli Heter by designating it in whichever form to be used as a Kli Heter? So the answer is as follows. This is one of those answers that, you know, you have to mix Halakha together with um, a little bit of Musar, basically. And that's not, those are not my words, but the words from the poskim. Technically, you're right, it could work. Why? Because we said you can turn anything you want that's mukseh to Kalisu Makhtol Heter. You just have to know the steps like we learned beforehand. Either designation through action by th- planning to use it, that's called thinking about it, or having used it once before. However, by money, although it could technically work, a person should not do it. Poskim should not do it. Why? There are three reasons that I listed here that why a person should not use money or designate money to be a Kalishmachtolheter. Number one is Hakam Vadia brings an old minhag that used to be in Turkey when a person would on the Shabbat Hatan when he gets the Aliyah, in the middle of the whole show they would give the Hatan a certain coin. 
And there was a minhag like that in Turkey, in old Turkey, obviously, not today. In old Turkey, they used to give the coin on Shabbat to the Hatan. So the poskim then dealt with it. And they said, this minhag, I don't know, but this coin basically is not to serve as money. They're not giving him money to go and buy new shoes or a new hat. They're giving him a coin like a gift. It'll be like nothing different from giving a person flowers. So the post came down over there that they should make a hole in the coin. Why? So this way, people see that's not being used. It's not regular money. It, it would not look good. That's one reason why we see over here that it's not so pursued to use money for Klis Machtoleter. People don't understand, don't know this halakha. They'll think that money is fine. Another thing is, we're worried that a person might end up using that money later on in the future for money. In order to turn something that's Muqseh Muhammad Gufo into Klis Machtol Heter, it has to be transformed, it has to be turned into Klis Machtol Heter forever. Like the brick. The brick that you want to use as a door stopper, we said it has to be placed and used as a door stopper forever. You can't plan to use it for once about as a door stopper and then afterwards put it back with the other bricks and put it back into the building. It has to be permanently changed into Klis Machtol Heter. So you ever see some people, Svaradim are more into this, they have, you go, you go into their store, they have like dollar bills, five dollar bills, one dollar bills, all like, you know, on, on, in, the, in their store, in the, behind the register, you see it says Mazel Tov, uh, and all these kind of things. Sometimes you walk into people's cars, they have these like dollar bills and whatever hanging in the car. So clearly they're using these dollar bills as decoration. Or, or, sometimes you see people have a dollar bill hung up in their house and you ask them, where'd you get it from? They tell you, I got it from certain Rebbe and he gave it to me to Segula. So technically, these kind of bills are there for show, right? For display. But the reality is that some people, when they're very stuck and they need that dollar or that four, those five dollars, they'll take it and they'll use it for money. So they've reverted it back to Muqseh Muhammad Gufo. Because of this fear, the some of the Ahronim, I believe it's a Hazon Ish, the Hodeshani, brings a little bit, he hints to it as well, that it's not proper to use this, uh, to use money as a Klishmach Tolheter. So therefore, if you want to use your $50 bills as a napkin, it's not recommended you do so, because although you're using it as a napkin, and really you're Ashir, you're wealthy, you don't care, but sometimes, you, you know what, afterwards, you might say, you know, Chaval, $50, why should I let it go to waste? You might end up using it as a money which probably you will. It's if we were talking about $50. Not only that, a few dollars. Sometimes, you know, it happened to me personally, and I know people tell me the same story. Sometimes people come into your new car and they tie you like a dollar bill around. I was, you know, I needed some gasoline. I, I needed a few dollars, not, not nothing major, but just to get by, I was stuck somewhere. So I took those dollars and I used it. Of course, you're going to use it when you're stuck, you're going to end up using it. So for that reason, you should not make money into Eklish Mechtol Heter. And finally, finally, the third reason that's listed, all the posts can bring it, is Ziluta de Shabbat. It does not look good. People will see, uh, not people, Shabbat will be lower in people's eyes. You're moving money, and you, you say, what do you mean? I, I designate it. Technically, you're right. You know, according to Halakha, you're right. 
Right? But what are you trying to be? Trying to be cool? You're trying to impress people? Look, I know how to turn a dollar into a klus makhtol heter. People are going to see you interacting and, and using money around. And oh, it's mutar mutar. So it's a problem to do that. You should not do that. So therefore, maskana of the poskin, the consensus is that although the halakha has room to turn money into klus makhtol heter, you should not do it. It doesn't look good. And you have other problems that could perhaps make it you make this whole transformation um null and voided that doesn't work so therefore one should not turn money into leheter. now the next question is what about other forms of or other categories of mukse like for example mukse mahmatasronkis or klis isur could we also transform them into or do we say this only by Muqsim Ahmad Gufo? Muqsim Ahmad Gufo, like a stone or a rock or money, these are things that did not have any usage before you did something to them. So you kind of created a keli. It was nothing, you turned to something. But a Kalish Mahatol Isur or which had a function before, maybe you can't transform it, maybe it stays the way it is. And the answer is, no, you could transform it. This halakha applies by all categories of mukseh. So I'll give you a few examples. Let's say a person has a menorah that he uses to light candles. So a menorah that's used to light candles has a status of so it's made to put candles on it. Now, one week you decide, you know what? I don't want to use this, uh, these candlesticks for lighting anymore. I'm just going to put them in a bowl, whatever it is you decide. And now I want to use these candlesticks only for display. Only for display. I'm not going to use it for lighting anymore. So you could do that. You could now take them and put them in your, you know, those um, armoires, I think they call it. But these, basically these closets with glass doors and let them, and put them on display. They turn into klisum lakto leheter, which can be moved even to protect the item itself. Or let's say, for example, once you turn your candlesticks into you could take it with you from room to room. So if you're sitting in the dining room and your future son-in-law is there and you want to impress him that you, you got some money, you're able to support him in Kolel, so you put your silver candlesticks. And then you want to show him that you have so many candlesticks without him knowing, you go and you put it also when he's not looking, you put it in the living room when he comes to sit there. He says, wow, these people have good money. Okay, you know, I'll marry into them. They could support me. Whatever reason you have, you could do that. You could transform it. Same thing, I'll give you another example. We said in the past that a, an expensive phone that you're careful not to, that people shouldn't, not everybody could, should handle it, has a status of Muqseh Mahmat Hasran Kis. Let's say you're, you want to transform that into a toy now for your kid. You want the kids, you know, they, they have something. Now, of course, without a battery we're talking about. So you want to take your phone 6S and you want to now let the kids play with it. Of course, you take out the battery or it's dead. You just, you know, walk around there cool. You know, they think they're holding out to a phone. So that's technically mutar. We're not dealing with the subject of toys yet. But technically, you've transformed the phone into a klis which is a toy to keep little kids quiet. Now, there is a point that you have to know. One point that the poskim bring down is that if the mukseh still looks like mukseh, so then it could be a problem. Like this iPhone. If it's clear that it turned into a toy, well, how, I don't know, maybe you took out the case, it looks all scratched up. So then everybody will tell you, fine, you transmit to a toy for little kids. It's clear. 
However, if you see that the item still looks like Mukse, nothing changed. It still looks like the way it was before. And should. So then, in that case, Poskim say, it doesn't lose the status so much of Klish Makhtol Isur or whatever it is because it still looks like Mukse. You have to do some sort of physical change to it that people should see that it's Mukse, that's not Mukse anymore. It's rather a Klish Makhtol Leheter. Now, before we move on to the next halakha, just one point, one last thing, and that is that when you come to designate an item, it's simple, but I have to point it out. You can only designate an item that's yours. Mean to say, if you have bricks in the backyard, but those bricks don't belong to you, they belong to your upstairs neighbor who is making his own extension. And now you you want to use one of those bricks to hold your door open. Now your neighbor doesn't care. You want to use it, put it back. He doesn't care about a few bricks, you know, especially he's not losing them. You're putting them back. And now you say, I'm going to use those bricks. I'm going to turn them into a door stopper. It's Asur. It's not yours. It's still the owner. Unless you get permission from him that it becomes yours. So you cannot designate something for somebody else. Or let's say, you know your neighbor is going to have so many people coming over on Shabbat. And he's going to eventually need a door stopper. Without him knowing, you go take one of those bricks and you designate it into a door stopper. It doesn't work. Why? Since the owner himself never gave you permission for that. It's his item. You can go ahead and transform the mukseh of somebody else into a klis without his clear consent. Okay? You have to be either the owner or allow somebody else. One more point, and that is that a katan, any child under the age of bar mitzvah, also cannot designate. Even though he's the owner of the item, he cannot transform mukseh into a shem with this, we finish the subject of transforming Muqseh Mahmad Gufo into Klish Mahtol Heter. We're going to move on now to the next subject in the Benish Hai. This takes up the Halakha Gimel Til Vav. Gimel Dalit Hey Vav in the Benish Hai. Discuss a subject that is very, very, very common. Also, another subject that's under the category of Muqseh Mahmad Gufo. We did discuss it a little bit in the past, but now, Bazat Hashem, we'll talk about it. More and elaborate, much more on it, bringing all the practical cases. I hope we have enough time. I hope we have enough time. Maybe we'll do it without going inside. Before we go, before we speak about the subject, let me just tell you a little bit outside, some simple things and a warning. The subject we're about to speak about is not the most pleasant subject to speak about when thinking about it, but it's a realistic subject. The subject the subject is graf shalrei, literally meaning... Uh, what we would call today a potty. It's a bucket that's used for waste. So technically, if you think about it, let's say a dirty diaper with number two. Forgive me again for giving such an extreme example, but you know that, that's the subject we're dealing with and we all know how practical that is. So let's say number two, the kid made, he's being potty trained and he comes and, and he had an accident in the living room. So technically, according to Halakha, what would that be called? It's not a kli. So technically, it's Muqseh Mahmad Gufo. And therefore, if it's Muqseh Mahmad Gufo, you should technically not be able to move it in a normal way. And also, you can't sweep it up also, technically, if you hold it's Muqseh Mahmad Gufo. However, in Halakha, we find, the Gemara tells us, that there are certain things that are Muqseh Mahmad Gufo. However, 
they become so repulsive that they fall under the category of graf shadrai. This is a category called graf shadrai. And once something is called the graf shadrai, the rabbis removed the isur of mukseh, removed the stringency, the restrictions of mukseh, and allowed you to handle it, to move it, even in a normal way. So let's go back to the extreme case that we, we gave. Your two-year-old comes and says, Mommy, I had an accident. And all the kids are yelling, Ah, ah, the baby had an accident, the baby had an accident, right? And the alarm goes on. Okay, the whole house is going crazy. The two-year-old had an accident. Okay, okay, okay. What? Ah, you see it right there, stuck on the carpet, okay? If you're going to brush it off, forget about it. It's going to smear all over the carpet. It's going to be much worse. That's right. The only option you have is go take out those plastic gloves, you know, the ones that the doctor uses in the hospital, put them on, or convince your husband to do it, if your husband is uh, foolish enough, whatever it is. So you go, you put on your gloves, and you got to pick it up with your bare hands. According to Halakha, since that, you know, forgive me, that the feces, the, 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 the waste, the number two is disgusting, so therefore it will be permitted to move it directly with your own hands. You don't have to use a shinui, even though it's Muqsa Muhammad Gufo. But since it's repulsive, it's disgusting, you're allowed to pick it up in a normal way. Now, this does not only apply to this case, although if you look in the Shuhan Aruch, he says, I'm going to read you the words of the Beni which are pretty much the words of the Shuhan Aruch. He says like this everything that's dirty, kegon, key, for example, vomit, otsoa. Or the waste of, of, of a human being. Ben shel adam, whether it's of a human being, ben shel tanegolim, or whether if it's animals. Let's say you have a, a dog as a pet, and he makes in the living room. In those days they had a lot of chickens going around, and they make. Or if you live in a neighborhood in Brooklyn where it has a lot of cats, and they go on your property, and they make. Right? In all these cases, imhem bemakom sheyosheb sham, if they are in the place where you are sitting there, or they're in an area like a courtyard which you commonly use, then the Hakamim removed the restrictions of Mukseh and told you you're allowed to pick it up with your own bare hands and to remove it to all the way, to wherever you want to remove it. You want to pick it up and throw it in the toilet. You want to pick it up and throw it in the garbage. It's fine. You don't have to think about it. Just pick it up. There's no mukse right here. And this is what's called a graf shel rei. Now, what I just read was only the first part of Halakha Gimel in the Benish High. There's still much more to talk about in this Halakha. But before we get to the other points, let's discuss this over here. Poskim, all of them agree that the examples are given here, which are vomit or of an animal or a human being, is not the only thing that's under the category of, of, uh, of Graf Shadrai. When Hazal, when the rabbis told you that Graf Shadrai, you're allowed to pick it up with your own hands, it could be anything that's disgusting. The question is, how disgusting does it have to be? So, let me give you a few cases are found in the Gemara, Nereshonim, and you'll see that repulsive over here is not a requirement. It could be even anything that causes an extreme discomfort that for a person to be there in the same room. Let's give you an example. Number one, the Gemara talks about pits of fruits. 
people are eating olives, and the pits themselves, when they're piled up, can create a graf shadrai. Another example in the Gemara, the Gemara talks about inviting a goy over to your house, which could cause a problem. Why? If you serve them wine, in those days, in the cup of wine that they used to drink from, they also dip their bread to give it a little bit of flavor. They want the juice, basically, in their bread. The bread was too dry. So they dip their bread into the wine. Says the Gemara, what would you do now if you invite a goy over? That cup of wine would become mukseh. Why? Wine is yainesek, so you can't use it for anything. And the pieces of bread inside of it now become mukseh, even though the goy drank his whole wine, but those pieces of bread are mukseh now, since there's nothing to do. You can't give it to an animal because you're getting hana'ah. Yainesek is forbidden, not only in drinking, but it's also forbidden hana'ah, so it's not used for anything. So it's like, yeah, but it's, what is it? But that case is a case of it's something disgusting. So you see that someone's leftovers are also considered graf Obviously, leftovers we're talking about over here, something that's disgusting. You know, like uh, you know the the, the tahina and the hummus and smeared together with the matbucha and and the bread inside of it, and you have the sauce of the chicken. You know, that that kind of thing. But when a person leaves over a half a slice of bread that he didn't eat, it's not really so disgusting. Leftover food, you see, could also be under the category of graf shirai. Another example, the Gemara talks about removing pots after they've been emptied. So you have a pot that you cooked food inside of it, you emptied out the contents, and the Gemara says, what are you going to do with the pots now? How are you going to move it? Because it's made to cook in it. The says, yeah, but since you have all these leftover foods in it, it's disgusting. Kind of like the chalant pot. Listen, chalant is gishmak. When we make chalant, we're not saying has anything against chalant. I love chalant. But we all have to admit that when you have those stuff that are stuck in the chalant because you don't put the oil, you're trying to be healthy, and you have all the um, the the barley kernels with the potatoes and the things stuck in the chalant pot, it does not look good. So therefore, it's not that it just doesn't look good. It looks disgusting to move it, leftovers, or pots that are not 100% clean, they have these burnt stuff inside of them that look disgusting, are also considered graf So practically speaking, let's give you a few examples which are graf which could probably ha- happen. And therefore, being that they're graf you're allowed to move them in a normal way. You want to put on gloves and move them? Go ahead. You want to move them in your own bare hands? Okay, you could do that also. They the restrictions of mukse are removed from anything that's graf shadai. A few examples. Let's give you a few examples. Number one is dirty diapers. Right? You clean your kid, and now the diaper's there. Whether it's ketanim or gedolim, number one or number two, right? It's there. It's disgusting. You're allowed to pick it up with your own regular hands. You don't have to pick it up in the shinui with your elbow or with your toes or kick it. You're allowed to pick up the dirty diaper and dump it out where you have to dump it. Number two, if we find a dead animal in the house, a dead mouse, a dead rat, even dead bugs that are disgusting. I'm not talking about those little fruit flies that you can't even notice, or dead ants. No, I'm talking about really like, you know, a dead cockroach. It's disgusting. When you, there's a cockroach that, got, that ate from the poison, and now you see it, it's, it's disgusting. Again, uh, as the poskim bring down, in the words of Rabbi Moshe Feinstein, the, the heter of Grasharai is custom-made. It's based on you. So if you have ladies 
they'll be more disgusted by something than uh, a few yeshiva guys that, uh, you know, they've done for a couple of years and they've already seen what's out, you know, <laughs> they've been exposed to many different things. So there's a difference in, uh, in, in levels of graf sadai. It depends on you. If you're disgusted by it, fine. If it doesn't bother you, it's not a graf sadai. Here, however, we have a question now. What if I have two people in the room and for one person, it is a graf sadai. For the other person, eh, it doesn't bother him. Question is, for the person that it doesn't bother him, could he pick it up? Or do we say no? Him, it doesn't bother him. So it's not a graf sadai, so he has no idea to move it. The other person that is a graf sadai, they have to pick it up. I'll give you an example. Wife, right? Certain things that disgust the wife, especially, especially if she's pregnant and there's a lot of things that bother her much more. It eeks her. Why? I don't know. The baby thinks that way. So now she is convinced by the baby that it's disgusting. And then she tells her husband, Ah, please remove it. Take this thing out of the fridge. Take this thing out of the kitchen. Take it out of the house. I don't want to see it. It's disgusting, repulsive. And the husband says, What are you talking about? Uh, we're planning to have this for lunch. But it's nothing. Let's say it's even Muqsim Ahmad Gufur. Could the husband now pick it up for his wife? Sorry, husbands, but the answer is yes. You can't get away from this. You can't tell your wife, uh, no, no, no. You have to pick it up. No. You, I mean, you could tell her whatever you want, but you want to know the halakha. The halakha is that no, if something is disgusting for one person because of the graf shadai, then it becomes mutar for anybody in the room to remove it for them. So if the mother comes into the room and says, ah, disgusting, what are you, why are these things here? Why, why is the dirt all over? Pick it up, take it away from here. Even though for the husband and the kids, it's not a graf shadai, since it's disgusting for her and she's using that place, then it, beca- it becomes mutar for anybody in the room to remove it. There are some important rules, though, we have to know about graf shadai. We mentioned it a little bit here, and the Ben Ishai continues later on, and he talks about it more. Again, the words, they're almost the words of the Shohan Aruch. So we're just going to say it outside. In order for something to be also graf shadai, it depends on the location. It has to be a location that one is using or one commonly uses, even though he's not using right now. I'll give me an example. A living room, a dining room, those are places that people are using on Shabbat. But if you have an attic, they don't go up to the attic so much. When do you go up? Once in the blue moon. So if you happen to go up to the attic and you happen to see in the attic something disgusting, forgive me for this example, you go up to the attic, you want to take from there a bottle of wine, why is it in the attic, I don't know, just whatever it is, you're taking from there a bottle of wine, the attic is not a place where people sleep, it's just there, you put some things you store over there, after you pick up a bottle of wine, you see a dead mouse over there, Ew, disgusting, right? Yeah, well, Rabbi said, dead mouse, dead mouse is a graf no, Although dead mouse is a graf shadai, but being that it's in a location where it doesn't, you're not using, you're not using it, so therefore it doesn't make it a graf shadai. Or mean to say, because it's gonna, it, it, you're not using that place. We just tell you, if it's bothering you, get out of the room. You're not using it anyway. But if, let's say, the same thing happens and you find it downstairs in your basement in the area where the you play on you, you or or you use to relax, or you find it in the front yard on the balcony. So although you you don't you're not sitting there all day, but you plan to sit after the meal to sit outside. That's so you're allowed to move. You don't have to wait till you actually sit on the balcony to remove it. In that case, you pick it up and 
remove it since the balcony is an area which you use on a regular basis on Shabbat. Okay, that's very, very important to know. Next, another thing in the case, let's go back again. I'm sorry, I like my introduction. These halachot are a little bit disgusting, but we have to talk to them about the men because they happen. Let's say in the case of the attic, you see the dead bat and you smell it. It's horrible. Now, the smell is not going to reach downstairs in the in your first floor and not even in the second floor. But you know what? You're worried that it's going to attract bugs and bugs come in. It's going to be a problem for you because you're going to have to get an exterminator and ugh, it's going to be a whole problem. But at the same time, you're not using the attic. So what, what's the halakha now? What could I do? So the tells us what the Benish Hai brings over here in halakha. Hey, he says that if a person wants, if a, excuse me, it's not the Benish Hai only, it's the Shohan Aruch as well. In the case where there is a financial loss or some sort of thing that could, you know, cause you financial loss, you're allowed to create that room as your sitting place. Meaning, the attic is not a place that you use, right? So what you could do is take a chair and sit there and relax, you know, hang out in the attic for a few minutes. Once you hang out over there and it's disgusting to sit there with the rat, then you could go take your glove, pick up the rat and throw it out in the garbage. Don't flush it down the toilet, it's not a good idea. You can have a sewer back up. Okay, you could throw it out in the garbage and then afterwards remain in the room for a few more minutes and then pick up your chair and go back and sit in the dining room. So basically, when there's a financial loss, you see, uh, you know, the Gemara brings an example where there's a drip, there's something leaking, and the leak, the water that's coming down, it's all dirty and disgusting, and it's falling into a bucket, but you're not using that room. So you're worried, though, that if you, if you don't take out the bucket, it's going to overflow, and you're going to have another flood in the basement. So then, in that case, the Gemara says you could take your, basically, your chair, hang out over there, and make it your permanent place. But you can't just happen to walk in room and say, oh, I'm here, it's disgusting, pick it up. No, it has to be either a room that you use or when there's a financial loss, you could create that room to be your place of, of hanging out by bringing a chair and sitting there for a few minutes before you pick up the Graf Shadrai and after you pick up the Graf Shadrai. Also, bring, the Aharim bring down that when we gave you the permission to move Graf Shadrai, you could pick it up and in any way, it's a normal way. You don't have to try to avoid picking up the grass. And that means in the case of the dead mouse, you have to kick it. You can actually pick it up in the hands. You don't have to try to kick it or do anything else. Right? This is the opinion of Hakam Abadiya, Ibadil Haim Tobim, Rav Nisim Karelitz, as well as an early Aharon Tehlale David, or bring the Tehlale David from 150 years ago that permits us. However, I did see this Haruka Shohan says, now, when it comes to Graf Shadrai, it's not a heter gamur. If you have a way to avoid handling with your hands the Graf Shadrai, you should do so. For example, if you have a goy, if you have a dead mouse, I, I think if you have a housekeeper, anyway, you're going to ask her to move the dead mouse. But let's say you have a goy around and he'll move it for you. It's better that he moves it than you move it. And I saw in Rabbi Badner's book on Muqsin, in the back, he has two sections in the back in Hebrew where he has questions from Gedolei Israel in the last generation of Moshe Feinstein and of Shomu Zaman Arbach Zechonah Lebracha. Over there in the section, he's speaking to Moshe Feinstein. Moshe Feinstein says, a person should try to be mahmir like this Aruch HaShohan. However, Minhag is not that way. Whenever we have a permission to move, whether it's a dirty diaper and everything else, 
The minhag is like the simple understanding of Manash Hanaruch and like the poskim recorded before, is that people handle it in a normal way, and whoever could be mahmir, taba'ala biracha. Another important halakha in Graf Shadrai is that even a bad smell could create a Graf Shadrai. We spoke about something disgusting. You see a dead mouse, a dead animal. You, you see uh, vomit or waste. All that is disgusting. We all agree. Yeah, you could, that's for sure Graf Shadrai. But even if there's an unpleasant smell and there's something that you could do to remove that smell, you could also... That also becomes a graf shirai. So let's say you have dead flowers that you forgot to throw out. So they don't, let's say they don't look so bad. It doesn't look repulsive. But you know what? It has a horrible, horrible smell. Right? They're just sitting around and giving off a horrible smell. That's also considered graf shirai. If it makes the sitting in that room unpleasant, you can pick it up and throw it out. And by the way, like we said before, we're stressing it. Whenever you have the graph and you've picked it up, you don't have to drop it off in the nearest uh, location that can be dropped off. That means let's say you have two garbages. You have one by right outside of your house in the backyard, and there's one by the end of the backyard. You don't have to drop it off at the nearest garbage can. You can take it to the other garbage can that's further out in your backyard and drop it off over there. When it comes to Grab Shadai, the rabbis removed the restriction of Mukseh and allowed you to get rid of the unpleasantness of whether it's the smell or the look of what we categorized as Graf Shadai. Here's an important question based on what we just said. We mentioned that something can be Graf Shadai on a condition that you are using that room. What if you ate your meal? But you're planning to leave right after your meal. You're not. You're planning to leave after your meal, and you know when you finish eating a meal, you have a lot of garbage on the table. We discussed leftover foods and all these type of things that are left over after we eat. We explained in the past that some of them could fit the the fact that could be muksim Muhammad gufo. Could you pick it up since you're not planning to use the room anymore? So the haqqa is like this: if you are planning to come back on Shabbat, so anyway, either way, you have to. When you come back, let's say for example, you finish eating at 2 o'clock. You're planning to leave the house and come back by 5 o'clock. So when you come back by 5 o'clock, the leftovers are for sure going to be disgusting, right? Because it's Graf Shadai. You're leaving now at 2, but you come back at 5. So either way, you're going to pick it up. So it doesn't make a difference if you clean up at 2 or 5. Since either way, it's going to be cleaned up on Shabbat. You could clean up even at 2 o'clock. It's a Graf Shadai. You could pick it up. Question is, when you're leaving at 2 o'clock and you're not coming back till the end of Shabbat. You finish your meal, what are, you, what are you cleaning up for? You're leaving the house anyway. Oh, it's disgusting, but you're not st- planning to stay. So in that case, you could create a graf shirai by staying. Hang around. Don't leave at 2 o'clock right away. Wait a few minutes till about 2 or 5, whatever it is. And once you're sitting there, so it's not pleasant to sit with all these leftovers all over the tablecloth with the sauce spilled on the tablecloth and the, and the, the breadcrumbs and all the other things are... You know, mukseh, that completely mukseh. So in that case, since it's now disgusting, you pick it up, it's, it's grab shirai, and you can take it and put it away in the garbage. One, uh, not one, a little bit, few more points on grab shirai. Spiritual discomfort is not in the category of grab shirai. That means if you have something 
that is not repulsive, it's not disgusting, it doesn't have a bad smell, but it's not according to your spiritual level. It could be even asur. Still, it does not make it a graf sharait that gives you permission to remove it. Give you two proofs from the Gemara. The Gemara talks about in Beit HaMikdash, these have a special kli called Pesachtar. What's this Pesachtar? It was basically this big pot that if there was ever a dead rodent that was found in Beit HaMikdash, which would qualify as a Sheretz, since the Kohanim who were around might come to touch it, they would take this Pesachtar, this big pot basically, and cover the dead rodent. So let's say you have a dead rat in the Beit HaMikdash. You don't want the Kohanim to touch it to become Tameh. They would take this big pot and cover it up. One second. A dead animal is disgusting. A dead rodent? Ugh. Yeah, why didn't they just move it? And the answer is that it wasn't ugh because it was Beit HaMikdash. It was a big place. It wasn't necessarily... just There was a problem. Maybe they would touch it so they covered the Kli. But even though, what I mean, it's, it's spiritually disgusting. You're going to touch it and become Tameh. doesn't make a difference. You see, they didn't allow you to pick it up because it's spiritually disgusting. Same thing. We have halakha on Pesach. Proof number two. On Pesach, we have halakha. If a person finds hametz on Pesach, you have to burn it. Now, is hametz disgusting? It could be a nice Danish. Is it disgusting? Not at all. Does it smell bad? No. So, but but, you, but you're, you're a religious person. On <gasps> Pesach, you're going to faint? It's uh, disgusting. Still, it's disgusting only spiritually. It's not really physically disgusting. That's not in the category of Grab Shari. In fact, the Alcham Pesach is that if you find something on Shabbat or Yom Tob on Pesach, not the Holmai. The Holmai, of course, you can take it and burn it. But when you find something like that on Shabbat and Yom Tob, you take a, a pot or a dish and you turn it over, you cover the Hametz, so this way people will know to avoid it. And only after the holiday, mean to say, after Yom Tov, after Shabbat, during Harmoyed, you can take the Hametz and burn it or flush it down the toilet. But you cannot pick it up and remove it. Why not? And this is because spiritual discomfort does not create a situation of Graf Shadrahi. So we'll give you one practical halakha. We've learned in the past in Parashava Yishlah and the Benish Hai that there are certain magazines and newspapers that we are forbidden to read. And let's say a person finds such a newspaper in his house. You know, sometimes they put these advertisements from uh, the, those leaflets that they throw in people's, uh, what's it called, all these advertisements they throw on your property. So your kids take it in and they open up to one of those stores and they have over there disgusting pictures, right? It's a sort of look at these pictures. But it's also mukse to read them. All these things, advertisements, all these things are mukse. They, can, they should not, they are not allowed to be read on Shabbat. So in such a case, to pick it up with your own hands will be asur because it's not a grab shodai. So what could you do? It's asur. Fine. So either, like we said, kick it, move it in a different way. If you need the location, you can sweep it away or take something to cover it. As disgusting as it is, and I agree, it's disgusting. It shouldn't be there. But to pick it up with your own hands, it's still mukseh and it doesn't fall into the category of grab shodai that allows you to pick it up with your own hands and to remove it. You have to figure out a different way to move it. There's a question here. What if something is usually not graf shari, but certain circumstances create that it should be graf shari, where people are, you know, uh, are disgusted by it, are embarrassed by it? For example, normally a hammer lying around in your house 
normally a hammer that's lying around in a house, we said it's a klisum echdole isur. It's not something that's disgusting. So you have no hitter to remove it unless you want to sit in that location, you want to use that location. But now, all of a sudden, you're getting guests, and very important guests. You're getting your future son-in-law's parents are coming. Oh, and they're going to discuss, uh, you know, this is going to be the deciding factor if he should continue dating your daughter or not. And oh boy, you tell your husband, how many times do I tell you when you finish using the tools, please put them away. You have your screwdriver around, you have the hammer around. Oh, it's so embarrassing. And it's not an occasion that you need to, you know, that you could use that spot. Here, you have a hitter. It's not, it's not a simple thing. Other people argue. But Rabbana brings from Rabbi Shlomo Zaman Orbach, now one of the questions he asked him, he says, if it causes the wife or anybody in the family a certain discomfort that he can't, it's an, an, a lot of embarrassment, there is room to say that you could pick it up with your regular hands and move it aside. So those who rely on such a heter, don't forget that we mentioned in the past, Ramosha Feinstein saying that if you have pencils on a dining room table and Lechbot Shabbat, you want to move it, that he calls that, that he says, no, you have no heter to move it. That's not called the Zorch Mekomo. That's not called Kibot Shabbat. Kibot Shabbat is when you follow the Halchot of Shabbat. So, but those who do rely on Rav Shlomo Zaman Orbach, who want to rely on Rav Shlomo Zaman Orbach when you have guests coming over and it's really, really embarrassing and those things might be considered Graf Shari'i, Beseder, you have what to rely on. But, of course, it would be preferable if you have a Nanju move it or if you can move it in a, in a not normal way, what we call Derech Shinui, to avoid the problem of Mukseh. We're going to stop here. We still have a few halakot of Graf Shari'i, Beseder, and we'll get to them next week. Until then, you should have a wonderful week. Again, Mazatov to Rav Nisim. And we want to give thank you to Jay Root and the whole staff. This show will be aired on again tonight at 10 o'clock. We'll see you here again next week. Thank you for listening.